Tom Kearney on to his right foot and he cracks it home. Brilliant finish from Harrison Reed. Hello and welcome to the That's So Craven podcast, your Fulham podcast from Down Under. And we are back after the international break. And what a wonderful break it was as well. We have Wolves coming up this Monday night. And uh, we're also going to be covering the brilliant win by the FFC women's team uh, who played at the cottage against Arsenal Academy and knocked them out of the Capital Women's Cup. Here to discuss it all, as always, we have Dad, how are we going? I'm really well, and uh, I'm really excited to talk about all of this. Uh, obviously, keen to talk about Wolves, but really, really excited to recap uh, the women's uh, game on the weekend, which I thoroughly enjoyed. I decided to throw to you first because I actually saw you take a sip of your water bottle. I thought it's really oh, good that you're hydrating, so I'll throw it to you rather than to Sam. But Sammy, how are you going tonight? Dad's got so much energy tonight. I'm about it. I like to see it. It's a new energized Elton. Um, uh, like it's it's powerful. It's palpable. Um, there, there's lot. There's there's some there's some great stuff. I've as you can already tell, Sam's delirious. This is going to be fun. Let's rock and roll. Yeah, I've got to make sure that our move on button is working properly for when <laughs> Sam goes on one of his wonderful rants. Um, uh, guys, let's get straight into it. We've uh, we've had the international break, so. Bit of time away from um, from Fulham. Uh, some good international performances. We saw Bobby Dekadova Reed score a penalty in the last twenty four hours that qualified Jamaica for the Concacaf Gold Cup. Um, seen Anthony Robinson score a few goals. Um, it's been a, a good international break. The main thing, no injuries. Um, Dad and Sam, though, Dad, I'll throw to you first. Um, kind of good to get back to back to league action again. Yeah, I I sort of forget just how many interruptions there are prior to Christmas. It's kind of annoying, to be honest. So I, I, I think some of these breaks have been pretty, pretty come at good times for the uh, this Fulham. But, yeah, I do find it a little bit annoying, to be honest. So I'm, I'm, I'm happy. Is this the last one before New Year? I, I think so, because there, mm. there, there might be another one where there's because they've got to have the Euro um, playoffs qualifiers or something like that. I'm not sure. But I, I don't think there is another one actually before Christmas. Sammy, it's a good point Dad makes, though, the fact that maybe some of these breaks aren't actually the worst thing for us at the moment, considering the form we've been in. Do you think maybe we can bounce back quite nicely after a break and we kind of needed a break? Oh yeah, we definitely needed a break. To be honest, it's like uh, it, like I feel that even we needed a break. We needed a time to decompress, to sleep a little bit more because that does not happen on this side when you're supporting our beloveds. Um, but no, we, we've needed to reassess for a while. I mean, uh, hopefully, um, uh, or like Jimenez can use this time to um, uh, reflect on his wonderful goal that he scored, and then just maybe see if he can rinse and repeat going forward for that. But like, if anything, it's just been also just nice to just refocus on other things within the club. We're going to talk about it later. Um, uh, I, I really like the international br- break because I think as well, 
a lot of our guys like Robinson, Paulinha, they've become really established in their international teams. It's just such a good change of scenery as well. And those those teams as well are equally a part of the Fulham like uh, family as far as I'm concerned. And it's it's just it's a bit like going mm. away for the weekend, you know? It's a bit like going away and just like seeing your cousins and then just coming back just a little bit refreshed and then just just adopting a new perspective, you know? I'm going to be doing some serious rambles tonight. I can already feel it. Yeah, where was Jack, the, red, the, the playoff no, music have, there? Have um, you got that orchestra, that rising orchestra yeah, the, music? <laughs> the orchestral background noise. I'm going to have to pull it up at some point because, geez, this is going to go for three hours otherwise. Oh, um, honestly. Uh, no, but look, we, we do have an interesting little run-up to Christmas now where – there's quite a well, I say Christmas, it's actually probably New Year's where there's quite a few winnable games. We we play Wolves, Nottingham Forest, West Ham and Burnley all at home before um before the new year. So those are games where we should realistically be looking at nine to twelve points. Um especially as they're teams who are around us. We do have to play Liverpool and Newcastle and Arsenal in that period as well. So it's it's there's some games there that we should be winning. There's some games there that we will expect to lose. But, you know, in that lead up to the transfer window and, you know, finding out who's in the relegation zone around Christmas, it's it's important that we do continue to pick up points. And look, the first step there is this game against Wolves. Um, let's look at this one in a, in a bit more detail. Now, Wolves doing quite well so far this season, um, considering, I guess, how they've played over the last few years. I'll just pull up the table. They're only three points ahead of us, but... They've got some pretty decent results in recent weeks. Um, if we have a look, they beat Tottenham just before the international break, 2-1. They've had a draw with Newcastle in that time, 2-all. They drew with Aston Villa, 1-all. They beat Bournemouth, 2-1, and lost to Sheffield United, 2-1. Uh, um, Dad, you know, this Wolves side is hard to kind of wrap your head around sometimes. They, they spent a long time under their, their old manager struggling over the last 12 months, but under Gary O'Neill now, they're bit of a different beast. How are you seeing this one going into the game? Well, um, I, I don't believe that Fulham can realistically look at any side as an easy beat. I know the bottom three, as we've talked about ad nauseum, are poor. But, you know, I, I, I think Wolves will be a difficult game for us. For, I, I really do. Um, we, 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 we should be getting points. We should be getting a win. Uh, and we like to think that we've had some difficult fixtures and therefore uh, our goal difference has got battered by City um, and, and we haven't picked up, you know, some of the easy points that other clubs have picked up. But I, you know, when, when you were reeling off those fixtures this side of Christmas, I was listening to that and thinking, well, yes, they they could be some easy fixtures there, but I'm a bit anxious and slightly shy of the fact that we could end up on the other side of those fixtures with fewer points than we actually should have got. So I, it's it's all very difficult to tell where we really sit. I don't think that's quite clear um, yet. Um, yeah. But look, back to I, this I game, saw... Jack, look, oh, you know, I don't know. It's always about where our goal is going to come from. You know, has, has Jimenez really suddenly got the monkey off his back now? I don't know. It's interesting going back to a point you made before where I saw an article, I think it was on the Premier League's website actually, basically 
saying, and, and I agree with it as well, that this season of the Premier League, I'd say it, in with the, the bottom three as an exception to this, it does seem like any team can beat anyone on their day. Uh, like this Fulham team, when when they're on and things are firing, they, they look like they could beat Arsenal, beat maybe not Man City, but, you know, beat the teams right up the very top of the league. Uh, but also at the same time, look like we could lose to Luton sometimes. It, mm. It's it's one of those seasons where, it, excluding that bottom three, it feels like there's no defined result prior to any of these games. You really don't know which way it's going to go, and it just depends on what team rocks up on the day. And you look, for for this game especially, we, we have one big out that I guess we need to discuss, which is Polina missing through suspension. He picked up his fifth yellow card of the season, so that sees him miss out on this game. Um, I mean, Sammy, I'll, I'll throw to you. How much of a loss is that going to be considering Polina has been our best player for the last 18 months? Yeah, it's huge. I mean, he... Uh... It's nine day when he is in versus when he isn't. I mean, the one thing I can say about Wolves is they've kind of been in the state of arrested development for like the last, I mean, honestly, for like the last however long they've been in the Premier League. They had like what, one season, maybe about like six or seven years ago where they placed pretty high. But ever since then, they've kind of been pretty lackluster. So I think, I think, um, if you've got Sasalukic in there and Harrison Reed, even even a Wobi potentially, there's enough of like a base in there, or Kenny as well. Like there's enough of a base to have something established that can uh, dismantle them a little bit. But yeah, I don't know. I <laughs> I don't. I don't little fade out there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like I well, yeah. I'm not. I'm not. Okay, we'll push on from there. Um, before, you, before you talk for five more minutes. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I will pick Why up did on I a come point here you today? made. Yeah, I was going to say, you can go check on the dogs again. Um, I will pick up on a point you made, though, Sammy, um, which is Wolves, uh, I wouldn't say they've been off boil recently. They're just so unpredictable. And you can yeah. see it from these results here where. One week they beat Tottenham 2-1. The next week they lose to Sheffield United 2-1. They, they get a draw against Newcastle and Villa, but they've they've had some pretty disappointing losses as well. The the other thing as well, which I had a bit of a look back through, um, I, I'll, I'll pull out some of the facts and uh, a big thanks to Random Fulham Stuff on Twitter who helped compile some of these stats and facts. Uh, Wolves have no clean sheets in their last 10 games. In those games as well, this is league games. In those games, um, there, there's rarely, I think maybe just one time, have um, either team scored three goals. Uh, pretty much all of these games are 1-0 wins, 2-1 wins, 2-all draws, 1-all draws. Um, it, it's very score-heavy but low scoring, which actually I think sort of works in our favour in a way. Um you know, if if we go into a game and say if we score three goals, we're definitely going to win, that's just not going to work for us. <laughs> but when you look at a team like Wolves, you you can look at a team like Wolves and say we need to go to Wolves, and if we score one goal, we're probably coming away with something from the game. I think that is uh, that's a big boost to us because we know we're struggling with goal scoring. We've got our top scorer this year is a tie with three goals. 
between Vinicius, Bobby Deckard over Reed and Polina. Polina's not available. Uh, Vinny, I think, had a little niggle at one point. So Deckard over Reed is going to be our man. I, I don't really know where the goals come from, as you said, Dad. Um, the, the other thing as well, we've only beaten Wolves once in our last 14 league meetings with them. So I, I'm actually surprised by that because I always think we have a fairly good game against Wolves, but um, we, we really do struggle to, to actually turn that into a win. It's been, I think the last time we beat them from memory, it was 2012, uh, 2012. So it's been over 10 years since we've beaten Wolves in the league. Um, That's remarkable. Dad and Sam, how do you see us actually winning this game if... Um, you know, we're, we're without our best player, arguably. We're struggling to score goals. How do we actually come away with points? Well, I, I have a lot less concern about Sasalukic having to deputise for Polini. I think, you know, middle of last season, we were trying to form a view of how that might all work. He, he still doesn't astound me, um, but I think I think he's perfectly capable and he can do a job for us and if it was man city i'd be feeling like you know we we, we must have polinia to have half a chance in this game but i think uh, notwithstanding the fact that lamina in midfield is obviously doing really well and they've got they've got they've got a decent midfield um Sas- Lukic can do a job i i assume he'll pair up with um with reed I, I frankly would love Silver to roll the dice and uh, start with Kenny, but I, hmm. I don't see that actually happening. Because I, I, look, I know Kenny's not the preferred man to start games because he, he can't give you ninety minutes if that's what you want to push through with. But um, I, I think we have to find ways of doing, just try to create a spark. And one thing that Kenny can do for you is. He's, he's, he's bring a lot of creativity and, you know, game control and just industry to 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 our game. But back to your question of where the goals are going to come from, Jack. I'm sorry, I have I have nothing. I've got one. I've got one thing. Sure, surely, surely, um, as a uh, as an inside man, Jimenez should be able to at least score against his old team. You would think, wouldn't you? Like you would think he would like like if not. I think it works like shoulder. that. Oh, oh, yeah, well, but like, he might be hiding most of the narrative. He's Mr. probably narrative. still friends with a bunch of them on Facebook. You know, he's probably like he probably knows that somebody's I'm got like a trick. Sure, hip. he knows all of them very, very well. But yeah. But that I don't think that I don't think that is um a solution to some of the problems uh, in his head. Yeah, of course not. Of course not. But you know, it's it's at least he's would like at least he's playing in the somewhat familiar headspace, or he's playing against a team where like at least he understands them. That is that is a benefit um, going into like a game. I mean, that's got a. It's either going to put him in high anxiety or relieve some stress. Um, I, mm, I don't. You know I what? Don't really, you know, know what? where him is. <laughs> you know what? Maybe just maybe I could. I, maybe the opportunity to score against his old club. And really proves some doubters wrong. Maybe that is very, very, very high motivation for him. Mm. I, I don't think there's a lack of motivation there, though. We see when he plays, he, he runs his ass off. Like, he tries hard. It just, it's not happening for him. And I don't know if it's the system. I don't know if it's his confidence. But I, I don't think there's, 
Uh, it's not for want of trying. Um, I, I think definitely when you play against your old club, there there's an added incentive to try and score a goal. But I mean, that should be there all the time anyway. Mm. If you're looking for a narrative, Sammy, then, then yes, this is a perfect narrative where Jimenez finally proves that he's back to his old self by scoring against his old club and firing Fulham to a win that lifts him up the table and all that jazz. Mm-hmm. Um, will it happen? Eh, I don't think so. Um, I, I'm I'm hopeful that he can turn it around, but for me, Jimenez is more and more becoming a player who can come off the bench and have an impact. I don't think Muniz is going to be ready to play, um, so I think it, it probably falls on Vinny or we really you know, make a massive move and swing one of the youth players into the starting lineup, start Deckard over Reed up front, or just don't even play with a striker and, you know, play with a false nine, for example, someone more in attacking midfield and try and overload the midfield and great chances from there. I don't know what's going to happen, to be honest. What about Traore as well? Because, again, former team. I I wouldn't start him as a striker, but I think he'll have an impact. Neither Um, would I. I think there's, there's a lot of people now who are coming back from a stint of injury and will probably have an impact. I, I'd expect, well, I mean, let's, let's talk about the lineup in a bit more depth. Um, I, I expect we'll probably see uh, the return of Kenny Tete to the starting lineup. He was pretty close to getting back into the team. And uh, I think finally, after that international break and just a couple of extra weeks of work on the training field, he's probably ready to start. Um Robinson, I think, had a really good international break. I think that's going to give him a lot of confidence. He scored a couple of goals and played very well. I expect we'll see Tim Ream start again. Um, it could be interesting to see if Bassi gets a start. Nigeria had a terrible international break. Um, uh, it could be... I think they, they might have lost to Lesotho or something like that. Some nation that Nigeria should never lose to, basically. That's so. Yeah. Doesn't um, Nigeria have like a really strong team at the moment? Like, really yeah. Strong? And I, look, I don't think it was Bassi's fault in any way, sense, or form. But um, look, they they didn't have a good break, so that definitely will, you know, cause a few confidence issues. So it, it might be that Diop or Tosin are back and ready to go, um, and we might see them return to the starting lineup. I'll throw this one out to the to the group, I guess. We've got the two defensive midfielders that we usually play with and then an attacking midfielder in Pereira. Uh, how are we going to see that set up? For me, I'll, I'll put mine out first, that I think we should be starting um, Lukic and Kenny in the defensive positions and Iwobi at attacking midfield. Dad, throw to you your, your opinions on that trio. Uh, well, I would be amazed if Lukic doesn't start. Um, I think, I, I, I suspect that um, Silver will actually go for Reed. That wouldn't necessarily be my choice. I've already told you what my choice is, and I agree with you with, with, with Kenny. Um, yeah, I'm not, I, I like Awobi a lot, and I like his energy. I like um, he seems to make a lot of things happen. He provides, he offers a lot. Um, but I, I, I do like, I, I, I do like Pereira, and I, I can I guess I'm sort of hoping and praying that he strikes some form, and we see more of last last season's Pereira because he he's a classy classy player mm-hmm. in form, and he you know he need we need to find a way to get him back to form. 
So I'd, I'd, I'd probably start with with him, Jack, but 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 maybe the secret is for him to come on and replace Iwobi, um, you know, as 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 an interchange at some point. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. I t- I'll tell you one thing that I reckon has gone a bit under the radar. I think I think Kenny Tete out of this side has made an enormous, uh, enormous had an enormous impact. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, our, our defence is a little bit all over the place. We've got Diop out as well, trying to find a role for Perol Bassi. And he's had to put up with a start at right centre-back, which is obviously... He's got better at it, but it's not great. Mm. Um, Kenny Tete coming back into the side, if if he if he drops straight into form, which is probably a lot to ask, but I I just think he offers so much, and he, we're a different side when he plays as well, and he's almost got that Polinia effect about his involvement. Mm. Um, up front, I reckon I reckon Silver will play Jimenez against his old club. I want. I'm. I'm going. I'm not going to lead with what I think. I'm going to lead with what I want. I want. Um. I want total disruption in that midfield because I don't think Wolves uh, have their midfield fully locked. I mean, obviously, Lamine is doing well, but I feel like um, uh, the loss of um. Oh, I forgot his name. It begins with an R. He went to Saudi Pro League. I forget. Um, Ruben yeah. Neves. Ruben Nevers. Uh, I think um, the losses of him in the midfield has has affected Wolves quite a bit, um, and they are still lacking in that area. So I think if we just play full-on disruption, have um, Harrison Reed just nipping at heels, and then Sasa Lukic just intercepting and being the wily alley cat that I love him um, playing as, and potentially a Wobi in there more, as well. More mere cat than alley cat, I think. No, no, no. I love the way he's just he's just sweeping in and out. He's just weaving and he just kind of pops up like a mushroom in places. I just I just think of him like a prowling tomcat. He's just very he's very upright and just just floating. Meerkat. He's he's Meerkat. very floaty. Yeah, the meerkat's floaty. I feel like they're more of a scuffler. Anyway. <laughs> um uh yeah, I see. I see. I, You're I see so that. distractible, Sam. You're so distractible. That's why the people tune in. The people tune in to just see Sam <laughs> just get off, off, off. Um, salt lamp. Um, yeah. So, uh, where was I? It won't be. Yeah, I, I, I want, I want a totally disruptive midfield, um, and then essentially for us to like clean up on the wings. So for that, I want um, as stable as possible. I want William. I want Wilson, and have to concede for Jimenez. It's got to be Jimenez playing against Wolves for me, at least. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that front three as well. I do. I, Vinny is my preferred, but I think against Wolves, considering we're in this rotational sort of mindset at the moment with our strikers, where we are happy to switch them in and out because there's no set, you know, in-form striker. I, th- I think Jimenez starting against Wolves kind of makes sense. Um, Silva can give him a big rev up before the game and say, this is your old club, this is the time to turn it all around and score that goal. The pressure's sort of off. Now you've already got one. Get another, win us this game, take it forward. It's, it's um, going to be so Vinny's- nice when we actually have a striker, even if it's like 
two years from now, just to finally be like, there you are. There, there's, it won't we be don't that have nice to have two this. years from now because if we don't have a striker until two years <laughs> from now, we're in the championship. That's um, very true as well. That's it very won't true. Be that nice. um, I think I think Sil will be getting in the corner with uh, him and saying, these are the people who think you're only worth five million pounds. <laughs> Oh. I thought you were going to say Silver would be getting in the corner with Jimenez and saying the goal are those white posts. You put it on into the net between those white posts, <laughs> yeah. and that's how we score goals. Yeah. Um, Just beating him with a flip flop. Just <laughs> positive reinforcement. Um, Why aren't you but look, better? <laughs> it, it's definitely a, a really important game, and Dad, I think you made mention of it. Um, last time we potted where you said it's almost nice now to come into games knowing where you're sitting in the league. We're playing Monday night with the last game of this round of fixtures, if you will. Um, and so we'll see the lay of the land. We'll see if the teams below us have picked up points. We'll see if the teams above us are still within reach. It's kind of a nice position to be in in a weird way. And we kind of have that for the rest of the season as well, where we often are playing on um, Thursdays and Sundays and Mondays. So well, I say rest of the season through to the new year is what I really meant there. Um, but it definitely gives us a weird little advantage in a way to know how important fixtures are going into them just to see, like I said, the lay of the land and know exactly where we stand and what needs to be done going into What's the game. What's on the line? <laughs> exactly. Um, and, you know, uh, it's... It's getting to a bit of a crunch point at the moment where if we did lose a couple of games and there's a few teams below us picking up points, we we do start to slip a little bit into dangerous territory. And I, I think that's definitely going to be in the back of Silver's mind. Um, he'll be keeping that away from the player's mind as much as possible. But, you know, these guys all will be looking at the league table. They know the position we're in. They know how important these games are going to be. You look forward and you see games against Liverpool, Arsenal, Newcastle, you're going, we need to pick up points in games like this one. So it's it's I mean, a huge game Monday night. I mean, fortunately, the Premier League has decided that they hate Everton. So that's going to be very, very helpful for us in these next coming I, weeks. I, I just had a vision of uh, Tony Khan making a phone call to the Premier League, uh, grassing on Everton, you know? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, I saw, I saw uh, Everton called you, called you a mug. <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah, look, it's 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 going to be a good game on Monday night. I think it's going to be a hard-fought game. There's not going to be a huge number of goals. Um, I think I saw before that in these fixtures, um, there's only been seven goals in the past six Premier League meetings between these two teams, uh, two for Fulham and five for Wolves, uh, and neither side has scored more than once in the match. So I'm not expecting goals to be flying in left, right and centre. These are two teams that seem to lock horns every time they come up against each other. So I expect it to be very similar. Um, guys, I'll push you both for a prediction for this game. Um, Sam, I'll start with you first. Uh, it's, I, uh, I, 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 hate, I hate to say it, but I think it's going to be one all. That's fine. I'm I'm okay with that. It's it's just a it's just a bit boring. It's just a bit boring. It's not. It's, it's incredibly not boring, answer. but it's it's probably quite accurate. Yeah. Um, I just, I, yeah. Dad. I, yeah. Well, that's exactly what I was going to say. But uh, let's flavour it up. 
I'm going to go for two all. I don't know where those goals are coming from, but I'm going to go Ooh. two all because I think uh, this is a day. A lot of lot of own goals at that point. Um, <laughs> I will throw it out there, and um, I think it's echoing a comment on our live stream from Colm earlier, going for a one nil win, Traore crossing to Jimenez to win the game. That'd be um, great. That's a nice narrative. I like that. It they they definitely won't be the goal scorer or the assist maker, but uh, I think this is a kind of game that we nick against the Wolves team who are doing fairly well, but they're a little inconsistent. And so I, I wouldn't be surprised if we can pull something out of this game. But again, that 1-0 could also go in the opposite direction. Um, I wouldn't be overly surprised if this was a draw as well. It's it's a really tough game to actually try and predict. So look, let's cross our fingers and hope we do get something out of this one. Um, it's it's going to be a good game no matter what. Hopefully we get uh, a some interesting lineups from Silver um, and Fulham come home with some points and move up the table and finally pull ourselves away from the relegation zone. Um, one thing worth talking about before we move on and talk about the women's team um, is, as Sam mentioned, the points deduction for Everton. Now, without going into huge amounts of detail um, and just trying to get a quick answer out of you both here, Dad, do you think Everton despite getting that 10-point reduction, do you think they're still likely to be safe this season? Jeez. Um, well, I think they're, they're good enough to, uh, you know, they're good enough to win games. We've seen that already. They're not terrible, absolutely terrible. They're certainly not bottom three material. Um, do, does a 10-point hampering put them out of contention? I, I suspect they'll actually climb out of that bottom three. Yeah, I mean, they got Man United this weekend. They're sitting now on four points. Uh, they were two points ahead of us. Now they're eight points behind us. Sammy, do you think Everton have enough in them to get out of the bottom this season? I mean, effectively, if you say 40 points is what you need to survive, Everton have to make 50 this season. Um, is, is it going to be a stretch too far with a 10-point deduction? I think that... It would actually probably now nah, now nah, just indulge me here. I do I do think that would probably be in their best interest to actually get relegated because I feel that that squad needs to just be completely completely redone. And if you look at um everything that's happening with Leicester at the moment in the championship and how they're really reforming themselves, um, and then they'll go into the Premier League um, next season with like a massive boost behind them financially. And they've just reassessed themselves so well that Everton team desperately needs um, just, just to kind of almost be out of the Premier League position because it like, they probably will be safe, but I feel that sometimes it is actually good for like teams like that to essentially get put back into the championship and then just to, just to rework everything a little bit more because I mean the the Premier League is very doggy dog and they've obviously they've got a massive massive fan base and they will they will definitely come back into like the Premier League even if they um start becoming a yo-yo club uh they they just yeah they probably will stay up they probably will stay up but I think it in the long term it would probably be better for them to go down and then come back up again yeah. yeah, I think I, I actually think 
um, Everton are going to share in our our similar fortune of those shitty bottom three clubs. Mm. But you know, can we can we also say that what a what a scandal it is that 115 charges, albeit not yet proven, against Man City and the likes, and these guys have you know cop 10 points yeah it's bullshit it's actually bullshit and it's kind of uh, but yeah again i i do think they would benefit from going down and just kind of just being out of the mess that is the premier league just for at least a season Uh, i disagree with the whole thing of going down to benefit they if you look at the players leicester lost james madison harvey barnes yuri tielemans Ozzy Perez, Soyuncu, Johnny Evans, Ryan Bertrand, Mendy. These are like very solid, very good Premier League players. But they were going to lose them anyway. The club. Well, not, I mean, they were only going to lose them anyway because they were getting relegated. No, they um, were going to lose them because they needed to sell them to at least regain some finances for the finances they lost. They're, they're, it's still it, – I know they're dominating in the championship now, but – I, I don't agree that they needed to go down. You, they've lost, you know, a, an incredibly good Premier League squad. The problem was that team wasn't performing under the manager. Um, they're, they're having to now, they're forced now to rebuild because they've lost all their best players who basically have taken off them. Um, they're, you know, relying on a 36-year-old, almost 37-year-old Jamie Vardy up front to do everything for them now. Mm-hmm. Um, they they they've lost some oh, seriously talent. You see how good Madison is when he's playing for Spurs. You'd mm-hmm. love to have blokes like that in your team. And Harvey Barnes the same as well. These are high quality players. We saw Tillemans in the last game. How damaging he can be. Like the, the, I would love to have some of those guys that Leicester had, and they've lost them all and have to start again. And it, it, it's it feels like that Scott Parker season where we went down and we had Angisa and Seri and all these high quality players. Uh, even Mitrovic up front and Parker just got nothing out of them and um, kind of just screwed the pooch massively. And it feels like Leicester have done the same thing. Um, I, I do think Everton will be safe. They've got a, f- a far good enough team to stay up. Um, and, you know, I, I posed, do they, are they going to make 40 points? I think they're only going to have to make 35 points to stay up. And really that's only 45. So it's only just staying up and out of a relegation anyway. And I think they're good enough. Um, in terms of the issues around Man City and even Chelsea not getting charged yet, um, you know, they've got better lawyers at the end of the day. I saw a really interesting um, interview with someone who's involved in the process who basically said Man City are just blocking stuff left, right and centre and they're just oh, sure. stretching it out for yeah. as long as possible because they've got the funds to do so. Mm-hmm. They just know that they can continue to block and block and block. And it's getting to the point where the Premier League have to sort of let it go, uh, part of it, let part of it go at least. Otherwise, it's just never going to make it to the courts anyway. Um, it's so pass, it, isn't it? It, it's really crap. <laughs> um, it, it will come home to roost eventually. It's just a matter of when. Um, the issue is Everton's happened so quickly. And, and it's not so quickly at the end of the day. They got charged within February and it took till November for it to actually happen. That's for one charge. Consider how yeah. long it's going to take for 113 charges to come through that. If you if you're saying it takes the same amount of time, that's 200 years before anything happens. And um, and, and it's worse. It's it's not even the same comparison because, you know, uh, City have got so much to fight for and so much to fight with, 
And so they, they're just going to go down kicking and stalling. Cities will happen in stages. Their, their charges, the 113 charges or however many it was, they're broken up into five different categories. And there's a number of charges in each category, ranging from lying about managerial payments to misreporting to um, lying about wage payments and all, all sorts of random stuff and FFP failings and profitability failings. It'll come in little snippets here and there. Um, so it might not affect them in the same way. It might not be points deductions. It might be financial mm-hmm. issues. It might it be transfer bans. Who who knows what it'll be? It but they will just keep fighting it and drag it out for as long as possible. It's such a crap sentiment that it's actually better to be completely egregious than to be a little bit naughty. No, no, but it's yeah, also well, about uh, who's. It's also about who's actually committing the, the of course the, the sin the sins here because. I don't even think it's about being massively egregious. It's about, you know, the Premier League don't want City to be in the Conference League. Mm. <laughs> you know, uh, and as so... Tom says in, in his uh, comment on the live stream as well, Everton actually admitted the charges. They, they failed FFP and they admitted to it. Man City are denying all charges at this stage. <laughs> so it, it was much quicker to just say, yes, Everton, you, you did this wrong thing. Everton say yes, we did. So it's very quick process to get it all slap slapped the ten point deduction on, and that's done. With Man City, it's, it's going to be a long, complex, complicated issue. There was right. also the the recent vote as well on if uh, clubs are allowed to. Uh, I don't know the exact wording of it, but if clubs are effectively allowed to loan players from affiliated clubs, uh, as in clubs with the same owner, so. The issue that we have, obviously, Newcastle owned by um, the Saudi PIF, I think it's called. PIF, um, yeah. PIF, um, and obviously the PIF own seven Saudi clubs, I believe. And so effectively now Newcastle are able to have those Saudi clubs buy those players. Um, those players get paid an absolute fortune. Newcastle can effectively loan them for free if they want to from those clubs um, and, and basically stock up on this high-quality talent. So you could see Neymar, Mitro, Benzema, all these guys who are playing in the Saudi League, Kante, all just appear at Newcastle on loan, Newcastle paying 0% of their wages. Um, and look, it's it's an interesting one. It went to a vote. Um, you needed 14 clubs to vote. Uh, in favour of blocking it, and unfortunately it was only 13 clubs. The weird, outstanding club that voted in favour of allowing that was Sheffield United for some reason. (laughs) Um, Don't know what they were thinking. Um, But good in a way to see Fulham actually voting against it. Um, uh, I think it's the right thing to do. Um, But it's going to be interesting to see how that pans out over the next few months because Man City have been linked with... Ruben Neves very, very heavily, especially as they've got a bit of an injury crisis. Be interesting to see how many of those players come across. Why wouldn't Fulham vote against it? We have nothing to gain from it. If I hadn't have already had seven espressos today and it wasn't way past my bedtime, I'd be raging a little bit more about this. But you've got me at a good moment at least. So I've I've saved our audience. You're welcome, Pete. You're welcome, people. Thank God. Let's move on to something that might pep you up a little bit more, Sammy. We were fortunate enough to finally be able to watch a full 90 minutes. Finally! Of the Fulham women's team. Finally. Uh, this game 
was streamed Fulham women playing against Arsenal at Craven Cottage. Um, it, it was a huge occasion. Obviously, the, the game last year against AFC Wimbledon was played at the Cottage as well. Fulham went down 3-1 in that game. But, guys, just your general overview of this game and your thoughts on how the game went down, how it was received, how you thought the girls played in this game and just how good it was to get a game fully live streamed for us overseas fans. It was was awesome. So exciting. Uh, It's actually, it was so great when we got the word um, that it was going to be streamed live. Um, And I have to say, I was looking forward to this as much as I've looked forward to any game in in recent times to be fair and um it didn't disappoint it's a really great spectacle great turnout the only thing that was slightly annoying was that they they didn't have pitch side mics operating or if they did they were very few so it wasn't actually capturing the crowd noise in the johnny haynes stand which Mm. was sort of frustrating and um I, I think there in that remix video that was shown on the Fulham um, social media, I think came out today. Um, it was really great because you could actually hear all the, the the crowd cheering, and there was really solid support for all. But all, all in all, really happy for the girls that they had their moment. Uh, they played a very very good Arsenal side. They put out an incredible performance and had a really exciting game and an incredible win. And I, I, I just think it's, it's come at a really, really good time um, for their season, their trajectory and everything that's happening around that women's team. Yeah, no, um, it's, it's, it's been so, that was, ah, okay. Center, center oneself, center oneself. (laughs) Start again, start Uh, again. No, I'm 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 going to I'm going to work off the rambling. Um, uh, it's it was so genuinely nice to have been following the girls for as long as we have now, and um, to watch it in the way that it should be watched. I mean, oh, I would love if they just kept on putting it out on YouTube. I know they're not necessarily going to, but um, I mean, I don't want to. I don't want to speak to like the obvious stuff of like how um, much the women's game has progressed. But I just really want to see the girls um, in the top flight now on a weekly basis. I've got a taste for it, and they're genuinely just, just really, really proud of them because like they they came um, fully, fully actualized um, uh, with um, a, a great amount of support behind them. I I I want to see this on a weekly basis. Um, we are. I it, it was it was it was just so lovely. It was just so lovely. Really really good game. Really really good game. Awesome game for like the neutral. I know that's a cop out thing to say, but it is true. It's a really really good game. And yeah, they they just filled me with a lot of pride. It was it was a genuine genuine joy to watch. And now, guys, we finally get to properly dissect a. F- a Fulham women's game. And I'm so excited. Yeah. I mean, that's if you let us get a word in Sammy, but we'll get there eventually. Um, what, one thing to say, this is uh, obviously we weren't playing the Arsenal first team, but this Arsenal Academy side are very talented. And if we look at the players who've recently come through the Arsenal Academy, we're looking at um, Leah Williamson, 
Um, we're looking at Lauren James, Alex Scott, um, you know, like Chloe Kelly. The, these are international players who have had huge careers in the Women's Super League, huge international careers as well. These girls are, you know, a maximum of 21. So the majority of the girls playing in the game are somewhere between 17, 18 and 21. Um, and there was some real talent on show there. There were some really impressive players, especially I thought in the Arsenal midfield, there there was a really good group of players in there. Um, and and look, we I, I especially went into this game and was thinking this is going to be a really tough game, you know, playing in the Capital Women's Cup, Arsenal Women's Academy are the holders of the cup. They beat the team who beat us last season. They beat them quite comfortably in the final. This was always going to be a tough game and we, we held hope that we would get a good result here. But to actually come out of this game with the result that we did, which is a win, is mm. really impressive. And we, I thought, especially in the first half, we looked oh, so the better strong. side for for huge, huge swathes of the, the first half. Dad, um, your initial thoughts on, I, I guess, the difference between these two teams and in terms of quality, we expected Arsenal to be a high-quality side, but this Fulham side didn't look too far different from that Arsenal side. No, and I think um, the girls have obviously g'd themselves up for this game, and they really bounced out, and they 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 went at Arsenal, and I I, I suspect Arsenal probably thought it was going to be an easier afternoon than mm. it was. Um, as as you said, Jack, some of those Arsenal players in midfield were really really good, very very skillful. Is uh, it? Um, um Maddie Earl. Um and I think uh Leah, is it Leah? Leah Bloom as well. Maddie Earl. Le- yeah, yeah, Leah Bloom. Really, really good players. And they they looked uh, I mean they're only young kids, aren't they? <clears throat> uh really mm. deft touch and very, very tricky opposition for us. And I thought we acquitted ourselves incredibly well. I mean, I thought, I thought in particular our defence was really, really well organised. Mm. Um, we played out of the back really confidently. Um, our, our midfield had big challenges. I mean, we've got a good midfield, but but Arsenal were very, very strong in midfield. And I think um, you know we 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 had so many opportunities in the first half, in particular, up front and. Uh, you know, Georgia Heisman and Sasha Adamson were kind of running riot and causing a lot of problems. Um, yeah, I, look, I, I I really thoroughly enjoyed it. I I jumped in my car at a half time and drove down to Jack's house and uh, watched it with him. So we uh, we enjoyed that together. It was really good. Oh, man, I want to shout out Tagliavili. Tagliavili, she was awesome all game. Um, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a sucker for like defenders. I really really am. But like when when defenders are good, I'm talking like your Tim Reams, I'm talking your Calvin Bassies, like just 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 stoic, strong and just commanding. I thought she was excellent the entire game. Loved her presence. Our entire like backline was so tight. Like I wouldn't even necessarily call it a wall, just so composed, so controlled. Um, Arsenal has Arsenal had a really really good midfield 
Really, really, really good midfield. You could tell that there was some genuine individual talent there. Um, uh, and like the girls did get slightly overrun. Definitely didn't embarrass themselves though. The entire time um, we were pushing for and intercepting a lot and being super aggressive in midfield. But I, I, do, I do think we got a little bit overrun there. But um, uh, in the, as well, like echoing what dad said, uh, Sasha Adamson and like he's and as well, just are uh, just switching and just really being a massive, massive, massive handful for um, Arsenal's backline. And look, I mean, it it proved fruitful because we got a goal for um, Panting, who um, it wasn't necessarily quiet, but it was just exactly where she needed to be. I, I I love the first half. The first half, I was like, I was like, why can't we just watch this in the men's side every week? <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, uh, I agree. It was uh, just a really a really good game to watch, it's which is nice. kind of what you want with a game like this, especially a game that's played at the cottage. It's good to see a really well fought battle between two quality teams and it's mm. what we're starting to see more and more of in the women's game is is more quality coming up and and to see the 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 fact that we have these girls playing in step five i think we're in but coming up against you know the the girls some of the girls playing in this arsenal team are regularly making the bench for the arsenal women's team in the women's super league um and it's just proof that we've got a really special group who are, you know, of a much higher quality than the league we're currently in and have the ability to push even further up through the leagues if they stick together, which I hope that they do as well. Um, you know, the fact that we we won the penalty early on, I think that was purely down to the, the brilliant pressure we started with right from the very start of the game. Totally. We were attacking, we were dogged. Um, I, I remember a, a point when Sasha Adamson put in a couple of really dogged tackles in the corner and mm. just didn't give up the ball and just kept the pressure on the Arsenal back line, forced to throw in deep when we, she could have just given the ball up and let it get cleared down the field and let the pressure ease on the defence. And and that's how we won the penalty, if, effectively. We, we win the ball, the ball gets crossed in, Georgia Heisman gets herself in front of the defender. I think it's Leah as a defender who pushes her over. Mm. It might not be. Um, hard to see because the camera is a bit far away, but um, gets bundled over in the box, wins a penalty, um, a, a really yes, silly push from the defender who really didn't need to make that challenge, but did so. And um, Megley Mendes, so that's pressure, that's a, pressure, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and it's the fact that we started uh, with such high energy as well, and we really took the game to Arsenal right from the off. And um, Megaly Mendes, uh, like I said, she's taken a couple of penalties for us this season. This is her seventh goal of the season as well, which is a great return for someone who mm. um, effectively plays as a wing back for us. Um, I think she's one of our better set piece takers and put away the penalty beautifully, put us 1 0 up. A um, couple of flash points in the first half. Um, a really good save um, from Libby Stratton in goal. Um, Arsenal player coming in from quite a tight angle, but really drills it straight, so looking like it was definitely going. And I thought it was a goal mm. for you know hands down. And yeah. Libby Stratton pushes the ball. I think it possibly up onto the crossbar. Might have actually just pushed it straight out of play. But a really important save there to keep us one nil up. Um, we gave, and then we look. Gave them. 
Sorry, sorry, Jack. We gave them no chances, but the chances that Arsenal did have really showed how quality they are because they had some serious, serious attempts. And what, uh, like, how many shots on goal did they even get? Like, probably not that many, but I mean, they converted at least, like, they converted two of them, but. Yeah, that, well, I, that don't, I don't have, have the stats for those, but um, yeah, look, I, I think the main thing though is in the first half, we were pretty clinical. We had um, a Sasha Adamson with a really good chance where she drilled the ball, keeper makes a good save, tips it onto the crossbar. Um, not long after that, we score our second, going 2 0 up. Rachel Panting is a few sort of fortunate deflections. Um, Sasha Adamson pokes the ball across straight to Rachel Panting, who's six yards out and just has to put it in the back of the net, which nice. she does brilliantly. Turn it up at halftime. Dad, uh, were you as sort of shocked as I was in a in a sense? Yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, that that sounds uh, it sounds, sounds harsh because uh, yeah, I wasn't yeah, shocked that we were playing. Sounds well, a bit disrespectful, but, but sure, I, I don't think anyone could have. Um, honestly believe that we'd be two goals up and playing that well and not lucky, but actually deservedly so. Um, so I yeah, think that fantastic. was the shock for me. It was, it was that we were deservedly leading two nil. It didn't look like yeah. we were fortunate to be two nil totally. up. We, yeah. we looked the better side, which I, I kind of wasn't expecting because I think Arsenal should sure. be coming into this game being the better side. Mm, but we, 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 you know, hands down, we were controlling the ball in defence. Uh, Sammy, you made mention of um, Tagliavini at the very start, who was, you know, fortunately enough, um, were able to wear the armband in place of Mary Southgate, who wasn't able to play. Um, mm. and, and I think she did a brilliant job. Um, she looked so composed. I said to Dad during the game as well, it actually reminded me of Tim Ream, the way yeah. she'd take the ball control it she, the way she got her head up when she had the ball played the ball mm. across the back line back to the keeper the, the back line just looked so calm and collected against them mm. a, a very good arsenal side who moved the ball around really well which we did see in the second half as well but um ella definitely seemed to control the defense really really nicely and um it, it was like like we we said the fact is we haven't been able to watch a full 90 minutes of one of these women's games yet and mm. we've seen Ella's been handed man of the match a couple of times this season, I believe. Um, and as I a centre back, why. you don't really get you don't really get in the highlights packages very often as a centre back. Um, and and to be able to actually watch a full ninety minutes and understand how good some of these players are, and, and it, you kind of think about it with someone like Polina. I know we do have all these tackle compilations yeah. because he's so well known for it. But if you're just putting together highlights packages of just goals every week. You don't mm. see the work that's done, the sort of gritty work that's done sure. and the, the control that we have over the game when we got players like that in the team. Mm. Similarly sure. as well with um, Heisman as well. Heisman's, um she's so aggressive when she runs. Like she's so powerful and just has um, really, really beautiful control at pace. Um, but one thing that just kind of gets lost in highlights that you see is just how... Um, Sasha Adamson is just everywhere. She was just everywhere and just running everywhere. And just, she would have, like, I, I believe she does that every game. And she would have, she, I don't understand that. She would have just been so gassed. Or maybe she's not gassed. Maybe she's just made of like lithium batteries. I don't know. But, um, that I, is... I'd agree. And I think you see that in, 
Maddie Parsonson and Megley Mendes as well playing out wide. You see they're just tracking back and forth all game long. Um, Olivia Dale as well, who, you, again, you don't really see in the highlights packages very often, but I thought she looked brilliant in defence and, and really yeah. assured. Um, yeah. you, Betty Barron-Clark, Lily Lambert in the middle. I think they had a really tough task taking on a very high-quality Arsenal midfield, but yeah. you can see the quality there, some of the touches that they had, some of the passes that they were looking for that maybe weren't coming off because this Arsenal team are of such a high standard. And, and I sort of said it as well, when we were watching the game, you can tell if they were playing against teams that we play against week in, week out in the league, those things work. But against mm. a team like Arsenal, who are just that step up, you you almost realise the level that you have to get to and some of the decisions are slightly different because you're playing against such high-quality opposition. Mm. But you can see the quality we have there. And, and this, for me, is a, a massive learning experience for the whole team where you go, right, the things that I do week in, week out, sometimes I might actually look at doing them slightly differently in future because I realise that that's what you have to do against higher quality opponents. And, and it will hugely change the way that we view the games that we play because, you, you know, you play against teams like um, Stenning Town, who we beat 16-0, and you can do whatever you want in games like that. You shoot from distance, you tap the ball into the back of the net over and over again. It's it's pretty simple, but you come up against teams like this and you have to actually use the qualities that the players have. And they do have those qualities. It's just about actually making sure we play in the right way. And I think we we definitely worked our way into the game a little bit more as it went on, despite already being 2-0 up and conceding two goals. I think we just we looked a little bit tired towards the end, but I think we actually started playing some better football later in the game um, mm. because we, we were adapting on the go. Um, Dad and Sam, I'll let you guys talk through the two Arsenal goals because they were some very high-quality goals, um, yeah. some good passing and good finishing. Yeah, that's what I was um, uh, referring to before because, I mean, the uh, the setup for like both of Bloom's goals, I remember I watched that back at least three times. It's a lot of individual brilliance from like three players both times um uh, mm. just just really just able to very cleverly um uh, lead um uh, players out of position and that's uh, it's kind of indicative individual brilliance at that point as well as just being a little bit gassed um i think that's where um arsenal really really shine i don't know dad what do you reckon oh i i could see I started to notice Matty Earl early in the first half, and I thought uh, th this is a very skillful player and almost Messi-esque in, in terms of that sort of low centre of gravity, the way she would make turns and then duck and dive mm -hmm. and, and um, beautiful control of the ball. And she was always looking to put that little clever through ball in, kind of yeah. very Messi-esque. Mm -hmm. um, she, she's a very, very good player. And, you know, you've got to be on your absolute A game to keep her out all day. Mm -hmm. It was inevitable that she was going to have an impact uh, for sure. So I think, I, I, I do think um, those goals, I'm not sure they they happened because we were gassed. I, I, I actually think that it was down to a bit of inevitable quality coming through there, that mm -hmm. they they crafted those goals. They They were very good, high quality goals. 
Um, yeah, I think I think yeah. when you're a top flight team as well, even if you are under 20, 21s, um, these guys are being groomed to play full ninety minutes at an elite level. Whereas, like, because um, uh, we're we're still in a lower division at the moment, so we can um, uh, have a strong first half. But um, the first half isn't necessarily going to be indicative of like the second. Um, and I feel that Arsenal kind of took advantage of that a little bit. But that's, again, that's what they're being trained to do. They're being trained to never essentially switch off, whereas um, we were kind of ebbing and flowing a little bit, but ebbed and flowed in the right way because we came away with the result. So, uh, Look, but but to be fair, Sam, quality is quality. and Absolutely. It, 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 will rise will rise to the top and eventually kind of um you know create create problems for you but uh we we got the result absolutely well look the the result it wasn't a foregone conclusion by any means if we talk about a little moment before the end of the game there's a couple of moments in fact one i think it was around the 60th minute before we conceded or it might have actually been when we were already one nil down but a really, really good save from um, Leah from Arsenal. Um, Libby Stratton saves with her feet. A, a goal, you know, it should have been a goal. It's a one-on-one chance. The striker comes through. She makes a really, really good save, and it was one of many good saves. I think she had a really good game, and you know, we talked about it offline beforehand. Obviously, the heroics that we'll talk about um, kind of overshadow the performance um, from her in the in the majority of the game that she played. Um, I think the two keepers at Fulham have a high quality keepers. In fact, the whole mm. we have three keepers, obviously, and they're all very high quality players. And it, it was kind of a like a little exhibition of here's how to play a brilliant full ninety minutes, and here's how to save penalties as well. Um, we'll talk about <laughs> sorry, we'll talk about the penalty before penalties, which we kind of weren't expecting. Just before, in about the 89th minute, we do sub on Ellie Parker who um, I, I assume that was a plan from the very start is that she'd come on and she's a penalty specialist. And that is definitely true. Um, mm-hmm. But I don't think she was expecting to have to save a penalty in the 92nd minute as well. Um, and look, I think this is one of those moments where we fractionally switched off. It's just a bit of a loose tackle in the box. Um, it, it's nothing, it, it's nothing malicious. It's not a bad tackle or anything. It's just tired legs, Outstretch the Arsenal player finds them and goes down. It's definitely a penalty. I, I think we probably at that point thought, geez, how unlucky. We've played such a good game and we're going to lose it 3 2 to a last minute penalty. But oh well, never mind. But geez, was not expecting Ellie Parker to keep us in the game. Um, from now on, though, if she's playing, I definitely do expect her to keep us in the game. And she <laughs> is now required to save every penalty she faces. But um, I mean, that was, I didn't think that was going to be uh, an intro to the, the main event, which was the actual penalty shootout itself. Mm. Um, I've got the sequence of events up here for us. Um, Sophie Manzi steps up, puts away a really good penalty. Uh, Hurrell for Arsenal puts away her penalty. Megley Mendes, I thought that was a really good second penalty she took. She went high, came off the crossbar. Dad and Sam, one word, did it cross the line? Well... Uh... I yes, I don't think it did. Way. I don't think it did actually, um, because it it looks like it bounces 
straight out. So if it, yeah, I don't think it, from my memory, it didn't bounce. Uh, yeah, I don't think it was, I don't think it was ever like. If it, if it hits the crossbar, the ball then spins backwards, which means if it hits the ground, it'll spin backwards out of the goal. Just remember that. But yeah, I don't think it crossed the line either. Mm. Nah, cross the line. Cross the line. <laughs> Good answer, Sam. Correct yeah. answer. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, it's not look, that deep. Uh, unfortunate loss. I don't think it was a terrible penalty. I think the keeper got a very slight touch on it um, and, and kept it out. So we're on the back foot at that point. Lyon steps up to make it 2 1, at which point we're probably biting our fingernails. Matty Parsonson, this is the best penalty of the lot for me steps up and absolutely lamps the ball into the corner. Um, yeah. Not many times you see a 18-year-old lace a ball from a penalty into the corner, but, gee, she stepped <laughs> up, looked so confident and put it away. And um, then was the start of the heroics. Um, Ellie Parker saves from CB, a good save to her right. Um, that brings it back to two all with three penalties each. Lily Lambert steps up, tries to go down the middle, and unfortunately just doesn't get quite enough power, and the keeper sticks out a leg and manages to save it. We think then all is lost, but Ellie Parker has other ideas. Again, chooses the right way, goes to her right, makes another solid save, keeps it level. Olivia Dell, again, another 18-year-old stepping up to take the penalty. Uh, interesting to see that we had uh, an 18-year-old, a 21-year-old, and another 18-year-old as our three of our final penalty takers. But Olivia Dell steps up squeezes the ball into the bottom left-hand corner. The keeper maybe should have done better. Mm. Goes just mm. underneath her hand. I think keeper just couldn't get down quite quick enough. And so uh, a good penalty from Olivia puts puts us ahead 3-2. Final penalty, and it's Amelia Bloom, who's been the hero of the day. She's already scored two goals. Um, unfortunately, she missed that penalty in normal time and again misses again. She goes the other way, which Ellie Parker managed to pick. Ellie goes to her left. It's not the best penalty, to be fair. Um, no. uh, fortunately, Emily didn't have to go too far across. Sorry, not Emily. Ellie didn't have to go too far across, but makes a really good save and three saves on the trot. Sends Fulham into raptures. And uh, just how good to see that celebration. Um, and look, it's a huge win for them as well. Let's be honest. Mm. This is, you know, the Portsmouth win would have been probably bigger in the FA Cup, but they're, they're a very good side and we, we know that. This is a, a game where we'd probably be expecting kind of a similar result. And so to come away with that and come away with a win is just such a huge, huge result. And uh, I'd say you could easily say, give the plaudits to Ellie Parker for her heroics here, but it really was a team performance, a full team performance. Yeah, I, I want to, I know you have mentioned it, but I... Um, to take nothing away from Ellie Parker, who did a incredible job, you know, serendipitous that Steve J brings her on, uh, predicting this is going to go to penalties, <laughs> only for her to save perhaps the most important penalty to keep us in the game. Um, and, and obviously, shot stopping is what she's good at. And she was brave and very composed and incredibly confident. Um, and so, you know, she, she, if you like, has the heroic end of the story. But I, I, I really do want to make a solid mention of Libby Stratton because I, I thought I thought she was really, really good. I thought she worked incredibly well with the defenders. I think she was smart. Her distribution was good. It was clever. 
And uh, yeah, I just don't want to make make sure that that doesn't go unnoticed. Speaking of unnoticed, I... I'm I'm just so glad that it was this game and this was the game that was televised. This was mm. um, uh, the introduction to people who might not necessarily care or have some criticisms about like um, the women just being involved um, uh, or being televised in this way or have like the spotlight on them. If you are that person, I don't really like you. But anyway, um, but it's just I, I'm just really, really proud that um, they got the result, um, and it was fairy tale esque, and it just it just paints the girls in such a good light, and I, I love I love things that are like permanent that you can just refer back to. They, they, I mean, they have this now. It's, it's on the internet. It's been streamed. It's on um, the Fulham website, and I think that's just so awesome for them. So, um, yeah, yeah, and I, I just want to see it more. I just really want to see it more. I, this is, yeah, I, I want to be able to like talk this way about them on like a weekly basis. I obviously we can't do that. I understand all the reasons why, but they re, they deserve um all the plaudits and all the flowers that they get and i'm not necessarily even sure if like we're gonna cover it but um even even with like um like the songs that like we made for them and um gave them for and that just to see them feel special and actually see them kind of like treat themselves like their heroes and the that see themselves in a certain light i i, I was so proud just genuine just genuine like really proud and not in like a condescending kind of way just just genuinely like this is my team and they're just it's they're just awesome well um <clears throat> again it's this is not an original thought but we saw it really come to the fore in the women's world cup yeah. that what you watch what you see when you watch women's football is something infectious about it something very joyful the girls love playing with each other they're obviously a very tight group and i i love being part of the support of this and you know we 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 really can't do enough and so we we just hope that this injects a huge amount of confidence and belief into what they're doing and that that um, the, the whole of the football club and all of the supporters uh start to get behind this because if you're not part of this, Fulham supporters, you're missing a treat. You're really yeah. missing a treat. Yeah. Mm. And look, I think the other thing to say is this: there's there's such a disconnect with Premier League football. You you can't relate to these multimillionaires. You can't totally. get close to them. You know, it, it's just such a joy post game seeing little girls getting their shirts signed by mm. the players, mm. coming down with hand-drawn pictures to the game, getting to meet, you know, people who will probably become their heroes. I know we talk a fair bit with um, Ash from FFC and me, and, uh, you know, he tells me all the time that his his eldest daughter is a huge Mary Southgate fan, and, you know, that's the reason that she's into Fulham. That's the reason she's into football in general. Um, and... It, you know, it's probably the fact that Mary Southgate has said hi to her when she's coming off the field <laughs> one time. 
and, yeah, that's and actually interacted with them. And and that's yeah. it's such a big thing that you can get from supporting this Fulham women's team is the fact that you know they're accessible mm. compared to the men's team kind who of. are you know kept at <laughs> such an well kind of but you know what I mean they're kept at such an arm's length and you you can't relate to them on any kind of level because they're these these people who just sit on a higher plane to us because um, they're yeah. professional Premier League footballers, yeah, yeah, whereas yeah, yeah. these these girls are girls who just work hard, they love football, they're doing it because they love playing for Fulham and they, you know, they're, they're living the dream and they, I, I think, I, I hope they're thankful for it as well, the fact that they get to represent Fulham and get to play at Craven Cottage and, you know, get to be role models for the future fans of Fulham Football Club. And, you know, we saw, uh, it, it's a shame that it wasn't a larger crowd than last year. I think the weather definitely played into that. The fact that it looked like an absolutely horrific night with just horrible rain battering down all night long. Um, I can't imagine that helped with the attendance, but it's great to see another healthy attendance of, of over 3,000 people at Craven Cottage to support. And, you know, mm. you hopefully could easily pick up 500 new fans from that. And you keep doing that season upon season upon season. And, all of a sudden, Motspur Park isn't big enough for the Fulham women's team because there's too many people rocking up to games. Mm, and as this goal. team climbs through the leagues as well... How good would that um, be? Well, I mean, that's that's what should happen as well. And I, I know that they're looking at potentially expanding the stadium at Motspur in the future to um, accommodate the academy teams and the women's team. And, and going forward, I hope that does happen and we, we keep to... Uh, just focusing on growth and it's great to see i didn't realize that hugh jennings is a part of the women's setup now i don't know if you guys know hugh jennings it's weird that i know him because i've played so much football manager in my life that i know he's just a, a massive part of fulham um he, he was the academy head of the academy for a very long time and bought through players like sessignons carvalho's elliot's dembele's all these stars that we've had come through our academy and um, in the last couple of years, he's basically stepped down to fully focus on the women's team. And That's I think awesome. that yeah. it's it's such a step in the right direction. Someone like that who is so highly regarded across the whole of English football as one of the best academy managers there's there's been or academy heads, heads of academy there's been has decided that he wants to put a full focus on women's football and growing it at Fulham. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was great to see him post-game huddling up with the team and with the staff. And and I can't remember exactly what he said. I couldn't hear exactly what was said on the footage, but I, I, I assume the message was something along the lines of, you know, this is such an amazing accomplishment for you. And this is hopefully the first step of many steps going forward where, where Fulham women's team continues to grow. And it look, I, I think this is the first step and I think it's such a good game. Like you said, Sammy, to be the first step, like it, to to have such an exciting game where we play so well against a high quality opposition, couldn't have asked for any more than that. Mm. Well, also, um, explain to me why three thousand people. Admittedly, there were you know a decent number of Arsenal fans there as well, but call it fifteen hundred people or maybe two thousand people why those same people couldn't regularly turn out at Motspur Park. Why not? Yeah, I mean, there's there's definitely clashes for games, and I, I understand that, um, you know, most people have a, a Monday to Friday job and 
go and watch Fulham play on Saturday and then to also, if you've got a family, I can't imagine swinging with uh, my wife saying, I'm going to Fulham Saturday. Oh, and I'm also going to Fulham on Sunday as well. So um, enjoy taking care of the kids for me. Um, mm -hmm. I don't think that would go down too well. But again, that's why capitalising on moments like this where there's an international break, that that's the time when these attendances should always be up at over a thousand people at Motspur Park. There's no international football to go. Rather than going to one of the non-league games, like they they often push, you know, a non-league mm. weekend where you should go and watch a non-league club. I think it should be go and watch Fulham women's instead. Yeah, and, totally. And get behind the women's team. Um, well, I do because... like what the Premier League have done in like this international break and really hammer home the the women's game in this section. But it would be really nice if it didn't necessarily have to be shoehorned in. I understand why it is, and don't get me wrong, I am totally behind um, doing this because something is always better than nothing. But it would be nice if, um, yeah, it would it would be more focused, more regular, and just the more spots available for. Um, focus like this on on um, the women's product. Well, one thing we are hoping for is another game at Craven Cottage before the end of the year. I know it's meant to be a, a one-off, but um, I've heard a few little rumours flying around that there might be another scheduled game. Um, the Capital Women's Cup continues, although, um, interestingly, I was looking at the fixtures and the rest of the second round isn't due to kick off until the end of January. So we have a little while to wait until the draw for the next round and we find out who we're playing next. But look, this could be a chance for some silverware for this Fulham team. Um, it's, you know, we've knocked out the team who are surely the favourites going into this competition. So that definitely puts a mark on our back for the rest of the rest of the competition. And, and look, it's a really good way to end that little stint of cup games that we had um, and now get back to focusing on the league. Um, and speaking of the league, uh, I've put the wrong slide in. Uh, we play against Crawley Town this weekend. Now, Crawley Town, Crawley Town AFC, I believe it is. Um, they are currently sitting bottom of our league. Ignore the slide that I've put up for those on the live stream because that's completely wrong. Um, Crawley Town currently sitting bottom of the league. They've played 10 games, lost all 10 of them. They haven't been embarrassed in any of the games so far. So um, I don't think it's going to be an absolute walkover. I, I know from those 10 games, they have a goal difference of minus 28, but they're not getting spanked 8 9 nil in those games, despite losing all 10 of them. Um, their the regular scoreline seems to be, you know, 4-1, 4-2, They just can't seem to get a handle on this league. I believe they... Um, have come into the league this season. The one other aspect that makes this game quite interesting is the fact that Dartford have, I think, an FA Cup game this weekend. So they're not playing in the league this weekend. Now, it might not seem like much, but it does mean we have a chance to put a little bit of scoreboard pressure on them. Uh, a win here would move us to within two points of Dartford. Um, admittedly, they will have a game in hand over us, but you know what it's like when you've got a team who've already got the points on the board. It, it does put a little bit of pressure on. Um, and I, I think it's an important game for us to make sure we sort of recover a little bit from the high of the Arsenal win and come back down to earth in a sense to make sure that we're very professional when we go about this game and get the win from this game and, and not 
allow ourselves to get too ahead of ourselves in a way. It's it's a bit of a downer kind of way to look at it, but I think we need to make sure that we um, just get the job done more than anything. And stream it. Yep. And stream it. That would be lovely as well. Um, but look, it's it's a another big game. It's it's one we're definitely expected to win. Um, and I'm sure Steve J is going to be on top of them and just making sure that they really understand that this is a game where we can't count our chickens. We really need to make sure that we go in there, come away from it with a, a good victory. We're playing at Motspur Park, so we should, you know, be fairly comfortable in knowing what we do, the kind of people who are going to be there watching the game. Go in, get the job done, come away with three points, keep the pressure on Dartford. I think that's the main thing so far. Um, Dulwich Hamlet uh, are now level on games with us. They sit one point behind us, so we're definitely not alone up near the top of the league. We've also got Ebbsfleet, who for some reason are three games adrift in terms of games played. Uh, if they win all three of those, they'll actually leapfrog us and be on 25 points. So it really is important that we pick up every point available at this stage of the season until we come up and play uh, Ebbsfleet, Dulwich and Dartford towards the end of the, le- uh, end of the year. Guys, do you have anything else you want to add uh, about the Fulham women's team? It's been a big week for them, and um, I know we we sort of mentioned on the last podcast that we were throwing out a few. Oh? Did you die there, Jack? I think we've lost Jack. Well, Um, at least I still have you, Father. Yeah, yeah. I I actually do want to say that, um, just to reiterate how – great it was um, being able to see more than those highlights packages and you know it's the first time we got to see uh, the likes of Becky Stormer and um, uh, Olivia Dale who I was really impressed with and you know I, I I'm, I'm hopeful that that's not going to be the last game we see for ever or for a long time but uh, yeah Jack are you back? Yeah, what was your question? Oh, it was just, have you got anything else to add? Which you just did. Oh, yeah, I did. I did want to add that. <laughs> I, 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 I just, I just wanted to add that. Um, I've, I've seen some footage of um, um, uh, people like singing our songs, and uh, that gave uh, a little tear in my cold black heart that we were able to make the girls feel as special as they are. So I um, keep singing the songs, keep supporting them. Yeah, it's. Uh, I think. I think it does mean a lot to them, um, and it means a lot to us as well. So thanks a lot for that. I, I want no, to understand how you get a tear in you. your heart. How do you get a tear in your heart? <laughs> um, uh, as as I said before, seven espressos, and it's <laughs> one a.m. So that's how it happens. The tear in my heart, I'm pretty sure, is a stroke. So, <laughs> um. No, look, it's it's been great seeing those songs shared. It's uh, nice to see uh, the the team actually seeing those songs as well, which is good. Um, they've all liked the posts on Twitter, which is great to see. And look, hopefully they they've enjoyed them all. Um, and yeah, look, I don't think we're fully finished. I know, Dad, you've been fiddling around, even though you should be working um, and recording a few other ones. Need to make sure you do payroll tonight. Just remember that. Um, <laughs> But it's it's you know it's actually been really good fun doing. It. I know we got a little bit stressed because we were trying to fit as many in as possible, but it has been good fun diving deep and trying to find out stuff about the players and 
trying to find um, rhymes for Southgate. Geez, that was rough. Um, oh, just anything with man. A man is hard. Man is a hard thing to rhyme. We did well. Yeah. I think we did well. We did but great. look, we'll, we'll we'll try and I, I think there's 25 in the squad in total. We've definitely got time before the end of the season to tick every single box and get a song for every single player. If you have any suggestions, please do send them through to us um, purely just because uh, we've racked our brains very hard over the last couple of weeks. And um, like Sam said, I think a few of us have had a stroke in the last couple of weeks trying to think of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> the toxicity yeah, has gone down, The toxicity yeah, has gone down lovely. in the chat. Yeah, yeah, we've we've We've, we've just haven't talked. That's been the way to do that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we've um, we've respectfully just gone our separate ways because we can't be asked talking to I each other. I think Sam just it. blocked us for the whole week, but that was fine. There was definitely um, a point where I was just like, I can't do it anymore. <laughs> yeah, it's been been good. Um, so look, guys, it's been a been a long one, but there's been a lot to cover coming back from the international break. Uh, like we said before, really looking forward to the Wolves game on the weekend. It's a big game for Fulham. We need to pick up points, and uh, I think this is one of our last opportunities to do so before a bit of a tough run into Christmas. Um, and like we've talked about for for the last half hour or so, it's, it was such a good experience being able to watch the full 90 minutes of the Fulham women's team. I, I really enjoyed it. I know, Dad, we were able to sit together and just uh, – it was like watching any other Fulham game, and that's what I really loved about it. And I'd love to be able to do that every single week and sit back and watch – the full 90 minutes of this team play because like we've said a few times it's a really special group and it was just enjoyable to be able to watch it and analyze it and now be able to talk about it in depth and with some real understanding about these players um it's a joy really really enjoyable so um thank you to fulham for actually organizing that live stream for all the overseas fans uh, i i know I, I had a look a couple of times and there were couple of hundred people live streaming it from all over the place and it's had a few thousand views since on YouTube. So I'm, I'm really glad that um, they put in the effort to actually ensure that that game was properly streamed and well done to Jamie as well for his commentary throughout it as well. It was just a really, uh, I can't say it enough, it was just such an enjoyable experience to be able to watch that whole game. Um, yep. And I really hope more. that we are able to do so going forward uh, on a more regular basis. Yeah, um, yeah, I'm I'm glad you did thank uh, the Fulham team, Jack, for obliging, and uh, because obviously it was a fairly um, late call to announce that that stream would be available. But I I wouldn't even judge um, success of that on how many people watched it live because it was fairly late notice. But I I would say that a lot of people will go and watch that on YouTube. Um, yeah, well, to say since since that game was streamed live, there have been over seven thousand views of that game. Oh, um, fantastic! The highlights package has has picked up uh, one and a half thousand views in a day, which is great. Um, which yeah, you know, brilliant. it's the same amount of views that the Academy eight nil victory over Burnley had, but um, that was posted uh, ten days ago. So the fact is that the that people want to see the women's team and they want to see them playing and they want to see as much as possible of them. So um, I I really hope Fulham continue to push as much as possible uh, through so that we can watch the full game in the future. And um, they they continue to stream more in the future because uh, I would just love to see more, 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 more. It's not just us. I mean, 7,000 people and counting say it's, it's content they want to see. So hopefully, uh, hopefully uh, all, all the content boys are listening. The content boys—that's definitely their name now. Um, 
Wow. Sammy. Call out names. <laughs> Sammy, we'll wrap up there. Thank you very much for joining us tonight. You look knackered. Yeah, I've really hit a wall. <laughs> Thanks for having me. A long time before this, just quietly. <laughs> and Dad, thank you for joining. Yep, lovely episode. I really enjoyed it. Thanks, guys. And uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. Thanks to everyone on live stream. Thanks to everyone who continues to like and subscribe to the podcast. Please do share it around with your Fulham friends to make sure that they get to catch up on all the Fulham news and listen to the three of us rabbit on about everything Fulham, despite uh, how tired Sam always is. So, everyone, thank you again. And until next time, come on, you whites. (laughs) 